Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Scoop B Radio. Welcome back to the 450 Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Adam Taylor. We're now part of CLNS Media. Make sure to go check those guys out. It's awesome to be a part of that network. And today I'm joined by Scoop B. Robinson. Everybody knows Scoop. He's been dropping hot takes on Twitter for a, a, a long time now. Some of those takes are spicy hot. How are you doing today, Scoop? Man, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, my brother. Uh, happy to have you, bro. Happy to have you. Not much going on in this, this weekend with everybody being shut down. No sports, a lot of sleeping, and if you're smart, you're working ahead. All those lessons your parents taught you uh, when you were in school about working ahead, that kind of uh, pays dividends now. Work ahead, work smart, and you know, cultivate relationships is what I say. It's exactly what I'm trying to do, man, exactly what I'm trying to do. So looking at what you've been doing over the last week or so, you've been doing like a Lakers week on your podcast, right? You've been, what have you been looking at in terms of the Lakers? So this week was Lakers week on the Scoop Me Radio podcast, which is available on all platforms, all streaming podcast platforms. And um, we've been basically taking it retro. So like this and, and a mixture, like we had one person who was an expert. So, for example, um, we had uh, Kareem Rush, who was on the 2004 um, uh, Western Conference champion Lakers team. Um, we talked about Kobe. We talked about Shaq. We talked about dynamics there um that was one day this week and then we had lawrence jones of lojo media um, who covers the lakers currently um and she uh has like, these videos that she does that, that goes viral like different things like for example uh when uh kevin durant tested positive for uh, covid19 uh, she had a video of like kevin durant like walking through the tunnel going to the visitors locker room at staples center uh, in Los Angeles and you know she's had stuff where like a video went viral where um, you know after the Lakers and the Bucks had played uh, their recent game the most recent game uh, Giannis and his brother were like getting into some sort of shouting match with a fan and they were cursing at each other in Greece so kind of just uh, discussed just her role in the digital age and how things work and then uh, later this week we also had uh, John Celestan, who was a member of the 1999 uh, Lakers team uh, with Kobe Bryant. And, you know, it was, it was, it was 
very uh, topical because you know Ron Harper was on that Lakers team and he basically went from being on that last damn Chicago Bulls team uh, to joining you know Phil Jackson, uh, Tex Winter, Jim Clemens, and the Los Angeles Lakers when they made that move to the Lakers. So you know it, it's been that. And the week before that, we had Nets week, uh, which had you know Nets legends like you know Kendall Gill, Scott. Burrell, who was on the last dance, Chicago Bulls team, Michael Jordan. You had Aaron Williams, and then I had Christian Winfield from the New York Daily News, as well as Michael Grady from Yes Network, the, the network that the Nets play on. So kind of been going nostalgia. There's no basketball on. You see ESPN doing it. So, you know, on the podcast, I just reached out to some buddies that I knew and, you know, from my childhood days covering the NBA. And, you know, here we are. And it's great to be doing those look backs. It feels very – um. It feels very poignant at the moment, especially with the last dance. And uh, I've done something recently with a former ESPN reporter on my other podcast for Celticsblog.com, who used to be a locker room guy around Larry Bird and obviously Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson. And we were talking about all the different stories that he had from working around those guys before and after games. What was one? Of, do you have any stories that have been told to you or that you've experienced that? kind of stick out to you when you think about the Lakers or anyone on the Lakers roster at the moment or past or present? So I had a, had a good relationship with Kobe Bryant um, as well as his dad uh, and some other members of his family. And um, I met, so I went to undergraduate, uh, went to college in uh, right outside of Philadelphia, a town called St. David's, Pennsylvania, which is considered the main line. It's like Philly suburbs. Um, and literally, Eastern University, where I went to college, is down the street from Lower Marion High School, where Kobe Bryant went to high school. And so, you know, I've, I've visited Lower Marion a few times. I have some friends who are graduates of Lower Marion, and you know, I really learned about the culture of Lower Marion. And then years later, I spent like a week in Dallas, Texas area uh, with Kobe's dad, Joe Jellybean Bryant, um, and it was a basketball exposure program and our hotel rooms were literally right across the hall from each other. So like we would take rides to the gym and we'd ride and just talk about, you know, different things. And the thing Kobe and I both have in common, I didn't play um, organized basketball, but I started in journalism at 12 years old. So some would consider me a child prodigy. And so, you know, we would kind of, you know, dissect that, you know, what it meant to be a child prodigy, like things that Kobe did when he was younger and, you know, to get to the point he's at now, you know, watching Kobe's dad and his footwork, I understand why Kobe's footwork was so amazing. So fast forward to 2016, I was at the time I was on CBS and um, I went out to Toronto for NBA All-Star Weekend and um, I uh, asked Kobe a question that really had him thinking. If you remember 2016, the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers were in the Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, Peyton Manning retired shortly after. And I asked Kobe, you know, hey, if, if, would you have liked to have a, a story similar to Peyton Manning where you're able to ride off in the sunset? He said he has no complaints. You know, he, he has uh, retired or will retire at this point to the tune of five championships. Um, he's played on legendary teams with guys like Shaquille O'Neal, Lamar Odom, the Meta World Peace. And, you know, he has no regrets. And then a few months later, he, he dropped like 60, 61 on, you know, the Utah Jazz. So, you know, I was very upset when Kobe passed away. Um, I actually had gotten a call that morning um, from someone in Los Angeles, and I, I picked up the phone and, and tried to call Kobe. My phone, the phone just kept ringing. I had his number, and, you know, there was no answer there. Um, and the night before, I was with LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. I was covering the, the uh, Sixers-Lakers game on January 25th. And it's funny because, you know, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, his his 
his locker was right next to LeBron James's the night that he broke uh, Kobe's record. And, you know, he had a shirt in his locker with a Kobe Bryant. And it was a shirt that had Kobe's face with like skull and crossbones so as a way to show respect. You know, in Mexico, they do that often. I just got back from vacation in Mexico in January. So I understood the significance of, you know, respecting players. And, you know, you went around that locker room. I talked to Kyle Kuzma about, you know, um, the, the comparisons between Michael, Kobe, uh, and Magic Johnson, as well as LeBron. And he said, you know, you should, you should, you know, embrace um, the individuality of both players. And, you know, I'll, I'll end on the Kobe note with this, in this question, because uh, I don't want to be long-winded, but, you know, that night that the Lakers um, played the Sixers, LeBron shouts in the locker room, yo, we're not going home tonight. We go home tomorrow. And that's significant for this reason. Um, the Lakers, that game was over. You know, everybody was in the locker room and people were still congregating around midnight. It was an 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time game on ABC. Uh, it was a Saturday primetime game. Um, LeBron and Kobe Bryant spoke on the phone that night and had the Lakers not um, left the next morning, LeBron and Kobe may not have spoken on the phone that night because Kobe died that next morning on his way uh, on the helicopter. Um, and so I feel like when you look at everything that's going on in this world, coronavirus and everything in between, um, I feel like the world has not been right or has not been normal since January 25th, 2020. Um, and it's just interesting when you sit back and you just look at all those different things that have gone on. Talk about this. The loss of Kobe hit every basketball fan really hard. Uh, it hit the entire world hard he was he transcended the sport in so many ways for somebody like you that had a personal relationship with him I can understand how that would be a difficult subject to have to talk upon you seem to be doing it from a place of love though so that's always the best way to be is remember somebody for the good memories and having that memory to be able to talk about how the universe kind of worked in LeBron's favor to be able to speak to Kobe before the accident occurred. That's one of the best memories I think you could take away from being around the guys like that. My personal. For sure. For sure. Yeah, man, I think, you know, for me personally, I'm a journalist and I document things that are going on. I have good relationships with, with current players and, you know, all that good stuff. But the, the blessing I think it is, is I actually respect the game. I'm a historian of the game. Um, I, I have great respect for the process of it. Um, I, my point of entry for basketball is in 1991 when the Bulls won their first championship. My stepfather's from the west side of Chicago, you know, uh, hop, skipping and jump from the old Chicago Bulls stadium. And, you know, and just talking to players past and, 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 and present about just the mark that Kobe left. A lot of what I deduct from it is um, Kobe was the – Kobe was the was the the, the bridge between um, when Michael retired um, after his second retirement to when you know Kobe kind of began to really establish himself as the alpha male within the NBA ranks, and um, that just seems to be. I, I guess I didn't really realize it until Kobe passed because I grew up liking Michael Jordan so much. I can see the comparison in why people feel that way. And a lot of people say, you know, Michael or Kobe is the closest thing to Mag excuse me, closest thing to Michael Jordan um, that we've seen in our lifetime. So it's 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 kind of cool to just see that transition and you know the positive reflections on Kobe Bryant. 
I can see where people come from with that, the drive to win and the, the ability to put a team on your back and make sure that you can score the buckets that need to be scored down the stretch when the spotlights shine the brightest. Talking sure. of Michael, and obviously we're talking about the Lakers as well, a lot of, obviously with the, the release of first um, Last Dance, one of the main topics of discussion has become who's the GOAT? Now, do you subscribe to that? Personally, the way I look at it is these are two different players that play two different positions and do different things on the floor, and they're both exceptionally great at what they do. Are you a guy that takes one player over the other in the GOAT discussion? Are we, are we, are we discussing Michael and LeBron? Yes, that? sorry, I should have clarified that. Yes, Michael and LeBron. Um, I, think, I think Stephon Marbury kind of put it best on my podcast recently when he said um, Michael is in a different conversation. Um, as far as ghosts go, I think a lot of things that players uh, just automatically get now is a byproduct of what Michael or the infrastructure he created. I mean, you think about, I'll even take it a step further back. Um, Magic Johnson uh, spoke to me about this uh, during All-Star Weekend in February. He said, you know, to this day, one of his biggest regrets is that, you know, he did not sign a contract with Nike or he did not, um, get stock options because at that time Nike wasn't offering the type of contracts that you know, they're offering now and they offered him some money and, and stock options. Imagine how much a richer uh, man that Magic Johnson would have been. So I fast forward to Nike. You look at Sonny Vaccaro, the guy who was responsible for signing Michael Jordan to Nike um, and, and what he did. Um, and and um, Sonny was also instrumental in getting Kobe and, and Kevin Garnett and Tracy McGrady to sign with Adidas and you know, LeBron James' $90 million contract with Nike back in 2003. Uh, Michael and his signature shoe was revolutionary. Uh, everybody wanted to be like Mike. Um, and in today's day and age, a lot of people have their own signature shoe. I've, I've said this on other shows. You look at the Philadelphia 76ers, Tobias Harris, you step into the Sixers locker room, and you look at his, his, his area with the shoes, where they keep their shoes. It's, I guess you could call it a footlocker, if you will. Everything had is Kobe Bryant sneakers um, in, his, in his area. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, to, in today's day and age, if it wasn't for Kobe, you, you Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and their wacky shoe collection with just creative colors and more wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for, 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 for Kobe. You know, so Michael passed the baton on. Um, LeBron James and the sneaker contract that he had, you know, they were looking for the next Michael. You know, at that point, Kobe wasn't with – uh, Nike at that point in 2003, so they were looking for the next, you know, big shoe guy. So I, I think when you look at just the significance and the and the contribution to culture, Michael was one of a kind. Now, when you talk about basketball, Kobe played like him. He stuck out his tongue like him. He he busted up his shorts like him. He chewed gum like him. He did a lot of things like Michael. It was Michael Light, if you will. Um, and if if Kobe had not lost two of those championships. Uh, in 2004 and 2008, I think it would be a stronger conversation because everybody likes to basically off the championships. So be it. But, but, but when you talk about LeBron James, I don't think that's a fair comparison for a couple reasons. Number one, uh, Mag LeBron is more magic in Oscar Robertson than he is Michael Jordan. Uh, in my opinion, and I tweeted this like last week, LeBron is a more muscular uh, Magic Johnson with a better jumper. I, I think... Though in this in this context, and this is point two, 
LeBron James is the Michael Jordan of this generation. But to basically, to, but I also think he's 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 almost like a Bo Jackson. Um, has a Bo Jackson influence in the NBA. He's one of a kind. He's just an athlete. He's literally somebody with Carmelo's build with guard skills. That's not normal. So I, I think oftentimes when people like to make these goal comparisons, you know, Michael Jordan is a well-done steak. LeBron James is closer towards the end of his career. I'd imagine he's still medium well. The steak is not well done. I don't think you can fully make a comparison until um, LeBron retires. And there are some things that LeBron has done that Michael has not done. LeBron's been vocal about civil rights. Um, LeBron has built schools. LeBron has um, been outspoken about things that have gone on in the U.S. government as it relates to U.S. President Donald Trump. Michael has been, you know, silent about those things at a different era. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, I, I know what Kyle, what Kyle Kuzma said to me back in January. He said, you know, you have to appreciate people's greatnesses because these people aren't around forever. I don't think you have to compare those guys. They could just be great in their own era. I like that stance. I like looking at it from that. Like, you're the best from your era. To me, that's paying homage a lot better than just trying to compare everybody and judge who's better at this and who's better at what. And I like the sure. way- and, and, and I still take it to the point that Magic, and I keep saying Magic, LeBron and Michael are not easily comparable because Michael and Kobe are more of the same player. LeBron can score, but he's more Magic. He likes to pass first. I've always looked at it. Magic's a great comparison. I've always looked at him as like like a magic. Uh, Pippin's another guy that I feel like he's more he's more like Pippin than he is like Mike. To use and Pippin name. was a better defender than Mike, and a lot of people don't want to talk about that. Pippin was a very very good defender. I, growing up when Pippin was playing, I was still fairly young, so I was more interested on who had the ball in their hand and offense. Mm-hmm. Watching back now, he was a lockdown guy. He was mo- no doubt about it. Did you ever get to meet Scotty or Mike? Yes. Um, I was around the Bulls as a kid um, in, a, in the locker room, and I was with Scotty last season twice. Um, I was around him. I'm a brand ambassador for Zenny Optical uh, Glasses, uh, which is the official sponsor of the Bulls. They wear their insignia on their patch. and. You know, I'm around Scotty for various Zenny uh, functions in that regard. And then I was with Scotty and Charles Oakley uh, at a function at the Players' Tribune and uh, wrote an article about some of the things that Scotty said about, um, you know, Michael and wanting to be better than Michael back during the 94, 93-94 uh, season when Michael retired to play baseball. You know, the Bulls were very close and beating the New York Knicks. Uh, in the playoffs at that at that time, but you know, I, I and you know, running to him at parties, running to him at Soho House. So you know, we're we're familiar with who each other is, and you know, he's always been good with me, and you know, been, been gracious with his time. He seems like a stand-up guy. He does seem like yeah, somebody. Cool. He's super cool. I'm still not getting over the fact that you casually dropped in. You had Stefan Marbury on your podcast. What was that like? Um. So Stefan. Uh, I covered Steph when I was a kid. I had a radio show with the Nets at 12 years old. Um, and at that point, 99 season, I was like almost 13 at that point. So, you know, we remember each other from those days. And, you know, 
my uncle was a mentor of his years ago in New York City leagues uh, called um, Citywide, uh, which anybody who came from New York City um, knew my uncle Billy. And my uncle Billy was was one of the guys who was instrumental and in introduced me to the game of basketball. So when Stefan when Stefan and I talked, it was really just a continuation of you know where we left off as, as a kid. Um, we talked about Kevin Garnett and his two and a half seasons being teammates with KG in Minnesota with the Timberwolves. Um, how you know he felt that he needed to move uh, and, and be closer to home. You know the only other time that he left New York City, uh, other than Minnesota, was when he went to Georgia Tech and was living in Atlanta. He felt that Atlanta and New York was more of a comparable situation. Minnesota was not um, to his liking at the time, and you know he doesn't have any regrets about. Um, heading over to the New Jersey Nets, teaming up with Kendall Gill, Keith Van Horn, Stephen Jackson, uh, under uh, head coach uh, at the time, I think it was Dwayne Casey, and then uh, Byron Scott came along. But, um, you know, we just talked about a lot of different things. We talked about the blackout of 2003 that prevented Fat Joe and Jay-Z's basketball teams at Rucker Park from playing. Um, we, we just discussed a lot of just basketball things, both on a professional level, Grassroots. We talked about COVID nineteen. We talked about you know how the U.S. is handling it versus China and how they handle it. This is a lot of wealth of information. It's good to catch up with Stefan. And being from New York yourself, and you're talking about like the the blackout with Rucker Park. Do you frequent that park much? That's like the most famous streetball park in the world. Do Do you ever go down there and talk to some of the guys that are just you know lighting it up down there? So I've been going to Rucker Park. I've been around it since I was a kid. Um, I am originally from New Jersey. My parents separated when I was divorced when I was three. My dad's from Jersey City, New Jersey. My mom's from Harlem. Rucker Park is in Harlem. My family were business owners in Harlem. Um, so, you know, it was nothing to, you know, head over to, to the Rucker Park and, and see people competing. And, you know, I knew Greg Marius, who was the founder of the Entertainment Basketball Classic, who passed away some time ago. And, you know, Rucker Park is just a, a, anywhere you go in the world, they're, they're very familiar with Rucker Park. Um, it, there's a lot of, you know, um, memorable basketball games there, even dating back to, you know, Julius Irving, Dr. J, who's from Long Island, who, you know, he had a rep because he's from the suburbs coming down to, the, to one of the five boroughs of Manhattan, Harlem is in Manhattan, and, you know, competing. He had, a, he, had, he had to carry Long Island on his back. So um, I've been, I've learned history of it, and, um, it's still a staple to this day. Hopefully at some point people can, you know, catch some games and, you know, in the summertime, but, you know, even legendary appearances like Kobe Bryant coming through and playing, whether it was, um, you know, Kevin Durant and, and some of the other people that have come through, but Rucker Park uh, is, 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 a, is a national, in my mind, a national basketball um, landmark uh, that, that, is, that is respected. To me, there's only two courts in America that are nationally known and very iconic, and that is Venice Beach, California, and Rucker Park, New York. I was fortunate yes. enough to play a game on um, Venice Beach about 18 months ago. How was it? Uh, it was tough. It was tough. To, uh, those guys don't play, man. It was great, though, like just being there and shooting some hoops on a court that's so well-respected. I was hoping I'd catch an NBA guy walking around, but... I think uh, your stars have to align right for that to happen. Summertime is the best time to catch them. Yeah, this was like October, so the season has started. I'd, I think they'd rather be balling indoors than playing some street ball. But those two courts are just phenomenal. I mean, to be able to, like you, be able to just grow up around it and then see all these legends just step foot on the floor 
And then you have your park legends as well that don't make it to the league, but they're nationally known for what they do on a street ball court. Did you ever do much with the and one guys, Hot Sauce or Earthquake or any of them guys? Um, I've done some partnerships with and one on a business level as it relates to just, it's funny you mention that, now that I remember. I just played with Hot Sauce a few months ago. Um, I played in a celebrity basketball game in um, Tallahassee, Florida. Um, FAMU, uh, Florida Ag- Agriculture Mechanics. I, I can't remember the school, but it's an agricultural school. And um, Hot Sauce was on the team that I was playing against. I was on the team with Maurice Spates, uh, who was on the Golden State Warriors. And uh, at one point on a mismatch, I had to guard Hot Sauce. And Hot Sauce had sweatpants on. And I'm looking at him like, you got the jersey on, you got the shorts on. So at some point, he was getting ready to do his move. And I stepped up because I'm about to guard him. Then I looked at him and I said, oh, snap. I know who this is. I said, you got it, hot sauce. And he started laughing while he had the ball. Because he wasn't going to embarrass me today. <laughs> that guy to me was one of my uh, four basketball idols growing up. We don't have many indoor courts out here. Everything's outdoor. So um, right. I spent my formative years just studying hot sauce's game on Andwang tapes and when YouTube came. So to me that you doing that is like, that's a big point of jealousy for me. You getting to play against. Oh man, man. I, I, I'm, I'll tell you one thing. I, I get that often from people. And I know you mean it in this spirits, but you know, the, the thing about, you know, where I'm in life and where I'm going, where I've been, it's like, man, I, I'm so thankful every day. Cause sometimes there's so many things that happen at one time. Like when you ask me about hot sauce. I'm like, wait, I got a hot sauce story somewhere. Oh yeah. But, like, really and truly, man, I, I'm so thankful for the opportunities that, you know, have come my way and, you know, and to be able to pass on that wisdom to, to people who are younger than me. Like, I'm at that point in my life. So when you play against Hot Sauce, please call me and let me know because I want to hear that story. Oh, you've got it, man. I'll be keeping that in the memory <laughs> bank. And hearing about Maury Spates, that's the second time today I've heard his name mentioned to me on a podcast. Was, that's my dude. <laughs> I was just told... Um, about three hours ago, I was just on a podcast with Corey Sanders. Do you know Corey? That name sounds familiar. Um, former guy from Rutgers, uh, Florida, Florida baller. He's playing out in Europe at the moment. But he was telling yeah. me how he's just been working out with Maurice the last few weeks at some pickup games. So that's crazy how his names came up twice on two separate podcasts with two separate people. Yeah, Mo, Mo is doing his thing right now. I know he has an AAU team. And um, Mo, I had Mo on, my, on the on Scooby Radio like a month or two ago and just a wealth of knowledge. Um, definitely a, a very good guy um, to, to talk to. And yeah, man, Mo is, the, is that dude. He always looked like a proper enforcer on the court though, right? He was like the um, the typical, if you push my player, I'm going to throw you through the stands sort of guy. And you know what's crazy? What's crazy is when we were playing on the team, like obviously me and him were the with a big man on the floor, at times, he and I were both grabbing rebounds and pushing the ball up on the break. And Mo was taking threes. Mo wasn't trying to dunk. He was taking easy layups, taking threes. He wasn't. He didn't want that smoke, brother. <laughs> Against you? No, we were on the same team. Ah, okay, okay. But um, he was um, – <laughs> he's a, a, a great guy. I mean, from what I've seen about him playing through the league and that he's always been – he was brought in as a veteran presence towards the end of his career as more of a glue guy. 
which speaks mm-hmm. volumes to a guy when he's being brought in because of what he can bring to the locker room rather than what he can bring to the hardcore floor. For sure. And you know, it's funny because I, I told him this on the podcast. I said, yo, they really need to do at some point a 30 for 30 on that Sixers team from like 2005 to like 2008. Do you realize the guys that were on that team, you had anybody from Spates to Iguodala to Lou Williams to Allen Iverson to um, Thaddeus Young? And look at how those guys have done um, individually after their Sixers playing days. Like, that team, you know, you look at Lou Williams, six man, um, that's doing this thing and, and was was the Clippers' best player in, in L.A. last year and, and didn't, even, didn't even start, came off the bench. Like, that, that, that team – is a, 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 a guy's full of workhorses. You know, Iguodala getting that new deal when he ended up being traded from Memphis to, to, to the Miami Heat. And, you know, it, at the age that he's at and, you know, being a, a, an MVP during the 2015 NBA Finals, like, that team has a lot of talent. And it would be interesting to see if they do a 30 for 30 in, in all actuality. It was pretty cool. Do you feel like those guys get in their NBA kind of tutelage in a city like Philly where it's – based around being tough and being hard work. And do you feel like that, that rubbed off on that collective group and that's why they've been so successful over the years? Um, yeah, I think it's part of it. Philly, to me, is definitely, a, a, you know, having lived in that area uh, while I was in college, um, definitely benefited. Philly embraced a guy like Allen Iverson, who you, many people sometimes forget that he's actually from Hampton, Virginia, um, and, you know, was embraced in almost like a Rocky Balboa sort of way. Um, and I think when you look at that 76ers team, I mean, even from the perspective of space coming from the University of Florida, uh, those, are, those are some grinders there. Um, you look at Iguodala. Um, I, I personally think that when uh, Iggy, Iggy was a rookie in Philadelphia, I think Allen Apperson's star power stunted his growth for a little bit until Allen ended up, you know, requesting a trade, uh, which landed him with the Denver Nuggets, and then he later went over to the Pistons and then found his way back to the city of brotherly love. But um, I, I think that they definitely they definitely embraced uh, that hard work mantra, uh, and they definitely uh, were loved and respected in that city to this day. You know, you, Elton Brand, who was on that team, um, at some point is, is a guy that you know came out of that system worked his way to the top and you know is, is enjoying the fruits of his labors as a general manager with the 76 or so I, you know, I definitely think um, there is a there is a love and a respect for hard work that translates into the basketball court because Philly likes that Philly is a very grit and grow. I mean as a Celtics fan I'll try not to say nice things about Philadelphia on my other podcast because then I won't be allowed to do that podcast anymore right but go ahead as a team as a team as they're constructed now and as a franchise with when you ignore the process that they've recently gone through they've produced some brilliant players they've had some really good times during the league where they've put together great teams and as you said the players that have come out of that system that have come up through the draft or been traded there early in their career they've, they've instilled a successful mentality onto those guys yeah, I think Philly definitely has embraced the process, if you will. But I think that um, the, the, the grit and grind that they had, they lost it in, in, in Jimmy Butler. Um, I think that Jimmy uh, was definitely the heart and soul of that team for the bit of time that he was there. And then you look at J.J. Raddick, the same thing. You know, some have argued that, you know, Al Horford was overpaid to come to Philadelphia. And, you know, there's been questions about how he fits in the grand schemes with Ben Simmons. 
and Joel Embiid. I, I really do think that the Sixers are like a swing man away from from um, at least getting better because they missed that at Jimmy Butler. Even from the perspective of, you know, at times in the fourth quarter of the playoffs last season, you know, Jimmy would, would assume the role as point forward, which would allow Ben Simmons to move without the ball. Um, and, and, you know, Ben Simmons, by no stretch of the imagination, is a, is a proficient shooter, but at the same time, he can get to the basket and draw fouls. So I think that that was an added bonus, having a guy like Jimmy Butler in the fold uh, in Brett Brown's system, even from a defensive perspective. You know, many people pay attention to how great of a two-way player uh, Kawhi Leonard is uh, or was and still continues to be. Um, but, you know, Jimmy Butler plays on both sides of the floor, and it is an, ad, an added bonus being a playmaker. I think Philly misses that um, because you can't always depend on guys like Furkan Cormans and uh, other guys to, to, to do that. I mean, Cormans has gotten off on games against the Bulls and, you know, Memphis. But, you know, I think they're still missing a, an additional playmaker. And you saw that in Vincent's absence right before the hiatus that, that's not a basketball play because of Corona. But, I do like watching the Sixers. They're enjoyable to watch. I like six, eight, six, nine point cards. So, you know, watching Ben Simmons is a joy to play, or excuse me, a joy to watch. Ben Simmons is phenomenal on both ends of the floor as well. His defense is great. I feel like once he, um, and this is just beating, a, this is just saying it for the point of saying it at this point. It's said everywhere. But if he does, if he does develop a respectable three point shot, the league needs to watch out because he's got every tool in the box apart from that jumper. Yeah, I mean, it's a process. You look at you look at uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. Like people are starting to respect his jumper more. And I remember watching that game in December uh, when the Bucks and the Lakers uh, played against each other in, in Milwaukee, and people didn't expect uh, Giannis to shoot that well. I think he hit six three pointers in that game, if I'm not mistaken. I couldn't so, tell you off the top of my head without seeing the box score. It's all good. But I, I think when you look at Giannis, that was one of the things that people looked at. It's like he was a, a quick power forward um, that could, you know, distribute the ball. Who could, you know, early in his career, Jason Kidd had him running point. You know, now he's a swing man and he's able to, you know, and he still, still fills up a stat sheet, no problem. You know, to go back to the point about Ben Simmons, when Ben, hit, when ben gets a three, uh, a steady three-point shot or, or just a steady jumper at large. I think he's going to be a problem. You saw that with Jason Kidd early in his career. He struggled with his jumper. But, you know, when the, when the Mavericks won the NBA Finals in 2011, you know, Jay Kidd was spot on. So it'll come. It'll come. It just comes at different points and different ways for different people. And this kind of brings us back full circle. We've spoke about how Kobe picked the torch up from Michael and then LeBron's kind of continued that from Kobe. Who do you think the next guy in line is to take the torch from LeBron? Do you think it's AD or is it Giannis? Is it Luka Doncic? The answer is I don't know. Um, and the reason why I don't know is because I think there was this lull when Kobe was getting ready to pass the baton where people were like, is it going to be KD? And I think there were a couple of seasons where, you know, he had toe injuries, foot injuries, and then he ended up finding his way at Golden State. And, you know, during the same point in which – LeBron had his dominance, um, so I, I think we're at this point where it's like it could be it could be um, a myriad of different people. It could be Giannis. Um, do you still give the crown to Kevin Durant? I think it's going to be very interesting to see what he does in Brooklyn next season. Um, I think that you know just the face of the NBA. It reminds me somewhat of the '90s. I had Shaq on the Scoopy Radio podcast during the coronavirus pandemic uh, quarantine. He said to me, you know, I said this to him. I said, you know, when you look at your era in the 90s in particular, his era carried over to the 2000s, but, you know, 
I feel as though Reggie Miller and, and Hakeem Olajuwon didn't always get the respect that maybe they were due or as much adulation because everybody was paying attention to Michael. And he brought up a valid point. He said, you know, when you go to McDonald's, McDonald's is one of his favorite restaurants. He says, my favorite, my favorite meal is the Big Mac. He goes, but you also, that's the top, that's the top uh, sandwich on the McDonald's menu. But then look, there's other things. There's the chicken nuggets, there's the filet of fish, there's the, there's the chicken sandwich, the crispy chicken sandwich. We have a, a plethora of things you can order, right? So then if it's not Michael, it's Reggie. If it's not Reggie and Michael, then it's Hakeem. If it's not Reggie, Michael, and Hakeem, then it's Shaq. It's Charles Barkley. It's all these different people. I think this is a good situation to be in, and comparatively in today's NBA, I think it's in good hands. You, you, you have Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, um, Steph Curry still. Um, I think people, you know, because the Warriors have been injured and, and not winning many games this season, people forget about the Warriors. But Kawhi Leonard, I think that's often not mentioned. I think Kawhi, you know, has proven that he can win on multiple teams and he can be the systems guy in San Antonio and then be the guy with the Raptors. So I just think the NBA is in a good space right now just with the amount of talent and the fact that I don't think it's predictable. It's not an assumed um, situation that the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Bucks are the only top three teams in the NBA. They're, they're top teams, but there are other teams that are you know, looking to take their spot. So the answer to your question is short is, I don't know, uh, but I do like Kawhi Leonard's chances. Kawhi's been an assassin for a few years now. He is one of the, because he's not as vocal and he's not on social media like some of the other guys, he does get slept on a little bit once when the season's not happening or we're on a hiatus like this. Mm-hmm. Mentioning KD, it brought back a memory where I saw on your Twitter page uh, recently, I think it was a day or two ago, where somebody tweeted at you asking what happened to a take where you, where you were saying a few years back that KD will end up in Brooklyn. And then you've replied with a picture of yourself and KD saying um, something along the lines of, I got that one wrong. But it was the fact that you, what I found really interesting was you replied with a picture of you and KD, you and KD together at the same time, as if to mm-hmm. say, like, well, I only know what I'm speaking to these guys about and what I'm hearing at that moment in time. This is true. It's, I was wrong about it. But at the same time, you only know what happens in that moment of conversation and you have to go with what's brought up there. And mm-hmm. the fact that you've just mentioned I had Shaq on my podcast. Uh, if I had Shaq on my podcast, my wife would marry me twice over again. <laughs> Yeah, and it goes to what we were talking about relationship-wise um, off air before we got on. Like, I'm not new, um, but I also rebranded myself as an adult. And I think as, a, you know, as an adult, what I've done career-wise has, has, has trumped what I've done uh, as a child. The good thing about, you know, where I am now is, is as a child, I began my career in journalism during the 1997-98 season, which was the Bulls' last dance um, season. And, you know, Luke Longley gave me a pair of his size 16 sneakers uh, after a game. Um, Scott Burrell ended up joining the Nets the following season. That's my buddy, you know. And you know, I, I think that you know you're not going to get it right all the time. But you know, even the Shaq thing, you know, I spent some time with Shaq in Los Angeles last summer, um, and then you know during All Star Weekend in Chicago, I was actually in the TNT green room with him and Charles and, and, and Kenny in between games. I think at that that we were watching the Celtics. Um, um, Clippers game, like that Thursday night, 
um, and they were doing a show at the House of Blues in Chicago. And, you know, we talked, Shaq and I talked about, you know, him coming on the podcast at some point. I thought it was going to happen this summer. It ended up happening, you know, in March, and you know, it was a blessing. We talked about a lot, anything from, you know, the comparisons between Kobe, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, to, you know, what he thought about Tom Brady uh, joining the, the, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, you know, definitely a, a blessed experience. I've had his mother on the podcast a couple of times, and, you know, to add Shaq to the equation, you know, it's definitely just relationship building. And that's what I'm about. And that guy's a legend to be able to have that relationship form over that time and to have a relationship with his mother. And I'm assuming you've got that with his friends as well, because obviously you're in those circles where they slowly become your friends at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's crazy yes, to think about it's It's awesome that you're in that position, but it's mind blowing at the same time that for you, what you're saying is so easily casual. Like, Oh, well, when I had Stefan Marbury on last week, I had Shaq on the other day. I'm probably going to be drinking beers with Kevin Garnett in two weeks' time. <laughs> and then to me, I'm like, how are you so calm in saying this, saying this when to me I'd be freaking out? So I had Gordon Hayward on my Celtics podcast. Uh, Good player. Fantastic player. One of my favorites this year, especially. I was freaking out like for like a month after that happened. Like I only stopped talking about it. Well, I'm talking about it now, so I'm still freaking out now. It's still happening. <laughs> Congratulations. That's what's up, man. Yeah, man. But obviously then to me, I'm like, my wife's like, you got Gordon Hayward. Now you need to get Shaq. And now I'm like, well, and then you're like, well, I had Shaq. I'm like, this is, this is amazing to me. How, how casually it is to you because it's become normal. It's become normal, but I also think, um, I keep saying it to everybody is, you know, I'm not new. So I think this, you know, when I was a kid, that was a big deal. Being in the locker room with six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten guys and hearing conversation with 20-year-olds that I probably shouldn't have been hearing at 12 years old and um, in a locker room. And, you know, like I, I just remember, you know, my time, like I was telling my baby sister this, you know, she's she was one years old when I started. So you know, I'm in year technically 23, so you do the math, she's 24, but like, I was telling her like when I was a kid going into that locker room, I used to have a backpack and I would fill it up with power bars and take them with me for, to snack uh, during lunch and how, you know, you'd have sweatbands and like, like headbands and like sneakers and people give you things and, you know, those memories, like nobody can, nobody can ever take that away from me, but, you know, some of the things I remember as a child is, you know, being in a locker room with, Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, when he was at the Bergen Record newspaper in New Jersey, and I was a kid, and seeing, you know, Chris Broussard when he was at the New York Times covering the Nets and the Knicks, and then going to the visitors' locker room and seeing, you know, Stephen A. Smith in the visitors' locker room, you know, covering the Philadelphia 76ers for the Philadelphia Choir, and then, you know, kind of having conversations with Allen Iverson and Jim Jackson, and, you know, all those guys that were on that team under head coach Larry Brown, and, you know, like, it was crazy because, like, when I finished those two years doing that, at, you know, as a kid, I went back to being a high school student. And then, you know, Facebook came along and Twitter came along. So I'm reconnecting with a lot of these guys, like, through Facebook. And they remember me. And then, you know, we exchanged phone numbers. So it's like this process. I think my parents were, you know, driving me and, and you know, and getting off work and then coming with me, you know, to the arena, sitting and waiting while I was getting that stuff done. All that stuff was a, was a, was a process. But, you know, I never stopped dreaming. I never stopped working at you know, here I am. I'm, I'm still a, I'm still a work in progress. But I think the other reason why I'm so casual about it is because nobody likes an asshole. Why brag about <laughs> that's it? That's true. Not? That's true. 
you know, why not make friends? Sometimes you, you have to pull rank because people like you ask me about why I have Brandy Robinson MA on my, on my Twitter. And it's like, you know, people will easily say you don't have sources or you got this wrong. That doesn't take away the fact that I still know who I know and I move around the way I move around. But, you know, every now and then you have to slide your credentials on the table and remind me who the hell you are. But for the most part, I'm pretty even killed and just try to get along with everybody. And that's the best way to be, man. And that's probably why you've been so successful is because you're doing it that way. Sometimes people do put you in a position where you have to be like, well, this is who I am. This is who you are. So, you know, pay homage where homage is due. Right. But, you know, your work should always speak for yourself. And I, and I think that's the biggest takeaway from, you know, where I am now. Well, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not satisfied with where I am. I want to keep going. But I think during this time, during coronavirus, I've been really reflective on just a lot. You know, like sitting here talking to you and doing interviews with other people is really therapeutic just to you know, kind of have the, have the platform, that, you know, to just be reflective and you know, sit in a backdrop that says Scoopy and have a sponsor, like stuff yeah, like I that. that. It's not, it's not, you, you shouldn't take that stuff for granted, but that's hard work. That's sleepless nights. That's dreams and nightmares, as Meek Mill would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of going through that dreams and nightmares phase myself right now. So I'm working um, nine to five, coming home doing my studies, seeing the family, and then 9 p.m. till 2, 3 a.m., that's basketball time. That's podcasting, that's writing, that's breaking down film. It's reaching out to guys on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, however I can get in touch with people. And you put in that work, and then you slowly start to see that work pay off. And then eventually, hopefully, that nightmare become, goes away and the dream starts to be around a little bit more. And as the great Rick Ross was saying, whip it work. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You're doing it the right way. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, guys, you've been listening to Scoop B. If you don't follow him on Twitter already, make sure you do. Again, you've heard the people he has on his podcast. You, you've heard us kind of reminisce about some of the Twitter interactions he has with the uh, non-believers, as we'll call them. Um, make sure you go check hating him out. Ass MFs. Yeah, those hating ass motherfuckers. <laughs> make sure you go check him out over at Twitter. Make sure you give his um, podcast. What's the podcast called, Scoop? Which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, Spotify, our Heart Radio, or simply by visiting uh, scoopbradio.com. Uh, we got 2.1 million streams last year. Uh, we've had anybody from uh, Mark Cuban to DJ Khaled to um, the voice of Siri um, to Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, um, the rapper Too Short, um, just just a variety of different people. And, 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 and I'll add this, if I may, that we are getting, we're, we're, we're rounding up you know, the rest of this month and we're actually getting people who are experts on things like housing and stocks and how to kind of invest in those things with the uncertainty of what's going on in coronavirus. So we're not just sports, we're not just basketball. Like we really, you know, hold on to the whole gamut of, of different things. And I think that's, that's something that, that this podcast offers you that many others may not. Bringing value in a time where people need to know what holds value. It seems to make sure. sense to me. It makes Word. perfect sense. And then you write as well, right? Where can everybody find your written work? So I'm a senior writer at a site called heavy.com. We gather anywhere from three to 7 million views daily on heavy.com. I'm a senior writer. I've been there since October, 2018. So you can check out all my work, my written work at heavy.com. I've literally just loaded that up as you said it. Right guys.
Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be reading some of this stuff now. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Make sure to go check out Scoop, and you'll catch us again on Wednesday. Peace. Scoop B Radio. Oh Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.